condoning error in the days of Lot. Condoning error in the days of Lot. God says in Leviticus 10 verse 3, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. This is not a talk I have any great joy in giving, but I believe it is essential for us all to seriously consider this subject. For many years, people like me, with a very limited knowledge of end-time events in Scripture, have nevertheless been amazed at world events. We see some prophecies of God's word being fulfilled before our very eyes. Chat with the man on the street and you will soon discover that today many people just do not understand what is happening throughout our world. And as a result are confused, anxious or even frightened of the future. But those who read the word of God are reminded by the words of the prophets and especially the words of Jesus. Matthew 24, verses 6 and 7. And ye shall hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that ye are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. We see anti-Semitism rising yet again all over the world. And this includes many churches who follow the evil doctrine of so-called replacement theology. The prophecy of Jesus in Luke 17 laid out clearly what the world would be like before his second coming to this earth. A future which would be similar to the evil conditions in the world when Noah was alive and also to the days when Lot lived in Sodom. So, if I see any similarities between those days and our world today, well, it should make me take spiritual stock of my life. Let me take a quick look at both of these times. Noah's day. According to Genesis 6, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Verses 2 and 3 God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Only evil 
continually. Verse 5. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Verses 6 and 7. And then we come across this lovely verse. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The world was destroyed by flood. However, Noah and his family, only eight righteous souls, were saved. Lot's day. It is interesting to compare the description Jesus gives in Luke 17 of the days of Noah, in verse 27, and with those of Lot, in verse 28. No marriage is mentioned of those living in Sodom, verse 28, because they were homosexuals. In Genesis 18, 20 and 21 we read, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, the cry of it is come unto me. I have no doubt that the cry of it today still reaches up to God from our sinful world. Because of the abomination of sexual sin, Sodom and Gomorrah were totally destroyed. Incidentally, we also read of some relevant modern-day characteristics of Sodom. She had arrogance, abundant food, and lived in careless ease, but did not help the poor and needy. See Ezekiel 16, verse 49. And you can read about the wicked state of life in Sodom in Genesis 19. It must surely be obvious, even to a casual observer, that we are living in days very similar to those of Lot. The life of Lot is very sad, and really is one of missed opportunities. Where did it all go wrong? When Abraham, hearing the call of God and acting in faith, left his native land, his nephew Lot went along as well. They seemed to get on very well. They eventually arrived in Canaan, and there they built up large flocks and herds of animals, becoming rich. However, there's always a, a, a however, isn't there? Problems arose when their respective herdsmen quarrelled. They agreed that they should go their separate ways. Apparently, given first pick, Lot looked around and chose a beautiful land. It says, and Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom 
and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, very beautiful place. Like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Saul. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. And they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abram, as he was called then, but we call him now Abraham, dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. That's Genesis 13 verses 10 to 13. Meanwhile, what do we know about Abraham? We are told that by faith Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tents. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. We read that in the New Testament, in Hebrews 11, verses 8 to 10. Already a rather ominously dark contrast was developing between the nephew and his uncle. So, it is no surprise that we soon find Lot, having lived in the cities of the plain, then pitched his tent toward Sodom. And then we now find him doing very nicely, living in Sodom, and in fact, is even on the local council. But Sodom has grown more and more sinful. Although we read that God in graciousness delivered just Lot, who was vexed with the lustful, licentious conduct of the wicked, Lot apparently did nothing to remedy the situation. So God decided to act. Read that bit about Lot in Second Peter 2, verses 7 and 8. In Genesis 18, verses 23 to 33, we see Abraham pleading with God not to destroy Sodom, because there may be righteous souls dwelling there. Abraham knew that Lot was down there, and God had disclosed to Abraham of the wickedness of Lot and that he would destroy Sodom. But when not even ten righteous souls could be found in the city, God left off speaking to Abraham, leaving him to concede to God's coming judgment. In Genesis 19, we read further of Lot's downward path and the awful destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah because of gross sexual sin. Two angels have been sent by God to fulfill this awesome task, 
And also, uh, probably because of Abraham's pleading before God, we don't know really, to remove Lot and his family from the scene. It also shows just how far Lot had strayed from the truth. Knowing what the men of Sodom were like, he persuaded the two angels, appeared as men, to lodge overnight with him. When the men of Sodom realised this, they demanded that Lot should send them out to satisfy their lust. Unbelievably, Lot offered his two virgin daughters to the Sodomites as an appeasement. As the doors of Lot's house were being broken down and a revolt was actually taking place, the angels struck the offenders with blindness. Any thought that Lot had influence with the men of Sodom and his sons-in-law evaporated when he tried to calm the situation. Their reply to Lot was, stand back. They say, this fellow came in to sojourn and he will needs be a judge. Now we will deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. Genesis 19 verse 9. This was happening while his sons-in-law mocked him. Eventually Lot, his wife and two daughters were virtually and hurriedly pushed out from Sodom. His wife obviously still with a yearning for Sodom. Disobeyed God's command. Looked back and was turned into a pillar of salt, destroyed with the people of Sodom. The final event in this horrifying life story was Lot's incest with his two daughters. And the result from which was the fact that Lot became the father of the Moabites and the Ammonites. These nations proved to be constant enemies of Israel for many years to come. That sad story, terrible situation. What lessons could we learn from this wasted life? There are about three or four obvious things. I must hate what God hates. I must hate what God hates. I cannot compromise with known sin. I cannot compromise with known sin. I need to have a clear, visible separation from the world and from known error. It's essential. I must always act in faith and never by sight. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 verse 6 Whatsoever 
It is not of faith. It's sin. Romans 14 verse 23. But what about Abraham? What do we read about him? On the other hand, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, dwelling in tents. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews 11, 8-10 We too are pilgrims and strangers. We are told we are ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lot and his wife stand out in scripture as a warning to all of us. Only three righteous souls were saved from Sodom and Gomorrah. The two angels had great difficulty in persuading Lot and his family that immediate judgment was coming and that they must separate themselves from the evil around them. His wife and sons-in-law entangled themselves in the affairs of Sodom, were not convinced and were carried away in the judgment of God. Lot's pleading made no impression on the people of Sodom, and it would appear even less on his wife and sons-in-law. It's unbelievable when he pleaded with the young men to get out of the city for the Lord was going to destroy it, they looked at him as though he had lost his senses. Does that not seem just a little bit familiar? Today very few accept that this world is under imminent judgment of God and all must prepare to meet thy God. Judgment is coming. Presumably, the day before the angels arrived, Lot and Sodom just carried on as usual. But God had already decided and therefore judgment was certain. Again, we observe, as Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be. So shall it be. In Isaiah chapter 3, verses 8 to 10, there is an interesting observation. And here it is, in paraphrase. This world has stumbled and fallen, because its speech and its actions are against the Lord. To rebel against his glorious presence, the expression of their faces bears witness against them, and they display their sin like Sodom. They do not even conceal it, 
woe to them. For they have brought evil on themselves. Does that not look like our world today? What a severe warning it is to all. Listen to what God says here. Three or four verses. Get them into our heads. The abomination in which we dwell today. If a man lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Leviticus 20 verse 13 There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. Deuteronomy 23.17 And then Romans chapter 1 verse 28 And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. God has given them over. He's let them go. Given them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And so, let us go forward from there and just examine what our future history is in relation to the church. The next event on the Christian calendar is the rapture of the church which comprises all true believers. I am reminded of the time when the transfiguration of our Lord took place and afterwards as they walked down the mountain. Jesus walked down with Peter, James and John and he charged them tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from among the dead. Matthew 17 verse 9. There's a little uh, bit of Greek in there. Ik. And it means from among the dead. The disciples were knowledgeable as to a future resurrection. But they questioned with one another what rising from among the dead should mean. They knew there would be a resurrection of the dead, but not the fact that Jesus said he would rise from among the dead. Christ was teaching that he would gloriously rise, leaving the dead behind in their graves. And we know that our resurrection at the rapture will be as Christ's. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward 
they that are Christ's as his coming. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 and 23. We believers shall be raised from among the dead, leaving the unbelievers in their graves to await the great white throne judgment following the millennium, at least a thousand years between the two resurrections. And see also Revelation 20, verse 5. However, after the rapture will come the great tribulation, as described by our Lord. Then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, here speaking of Israel, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Matthew 24, verses 21 and 22. This period will bring in the reign of the evil Antichrist, world ruler, and also the false prophet, leader of the one world religion. See Revelation chapter 13. The age of grace will have closed. Now only those who acknowledge and bear his mark and worship the Antichrist will survive. Just read again what the Son of God said. This great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. For those who will remain on this earth after the rapture, this will be their awful future. Believers will be saved from this coming doom as they wait for God's Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. First Thessalonians 1 10. But what will this day be like, the day of the Lord? It's going to be terrible. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh. For it is nigh at hand, a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there hath not been ever the like, neither shall be any after it, even to the years of many generations. The earth shall quake before them. The heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. 
For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can abide it? Joel chapter 2. With all this in mind, I too must sound an alarm and warn my nearest and dearest neighbours and friends of this coming impending great tribulation. Telling them that now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 We have to flee from the wrath to come. A reflection of this time and future events might be of uh, interest to you. Believers shall be raptured. Received unto the Lord Jesus as he said in John 14. I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye shall be always. Then will come this seven years of great tribulation. The nations led by the Antichrist will rise up against Israel but when all seems lost our Lord with his saints will gloriously come back to the earth as Messiah to his beloved people, the Jews, and fight for them. Zechariah 14 verse 5. The nations will be judged as portrayed in Joel 3 verses 2 to 8 and Zechariah 14 1 to 3. And also in Matthew 25, verses 31 to 45. Now that last portion we just mentioned, it's of Christ coming. And he will judge the sheep and the goats. That last portion, Matthew 24, 31 to 45. Most churches add the parable of the sheep and the goats as part of the last judgment. They forget. And they haven't read. Into that parable. What is actually there. Jesus said. He will divide. The sheep. From the goats. And then he goes on to say. Those who treated. These my brethren. The Jews. The Jewish nation. The nations will be gathered. By Christ. And those who. Treated the Jewish nation. Badly. Will be judged badly. And conversely. Those who. Treated the Jewish nation. With respect. And with decency. Will be judged. In like manner. One of the problems is people get mixed up with various future events. One's understanding of end times can be envisaged if one thinks of a portly gentleman's waistcoat of olden days. The various buttons relate to such things as the rapture of the church, the judgment seat of Christ, 
the great tribulation, the judging of the nations, the millennium reign of Christ, the future restoration of Israel, we were just referring to that, uh, the great white throne judgment and the like. There is a corresponding buttonhole for each of these buttons. If we decide to cut out or amalgamate any one of these doctrines, we shall end up with a waistcoat which will not button up and is useless. Regrettably, the Christian world tries to wear this waistcoat today. Reformed replacement theology and Calvinism avers that in the affections of God, Israel has been replaced by the church. Thus, all outstanding promises will now be fulfilled by God in the church. Unfortunately, it is acknowledged that over 95% of churches now hold to this doctrine, resulting in many which are blatantly anti-Semitic. The difficulty is that people do not read the book, and even for those who do, they simply do not believe it. Instead, they apply human reasonableness to each situation, and that always is a disaster. I think we'll stop here to give you an opportunity to reflect on what we have said so far and maybe even have a cup of tea. We'll then continue with the final part of our paper.